like Pastor Denny said, this is, um, today begins, the National Assemblies of God Week of Prayer and Fasting. And last week, Pastor Neil preached an amazing message on what prayer is. So this week, I'm going to talk to you about what prayer is and what, or what fasting is and what fasting is not. In Matthew 6, 16 through 18, Jesus had just finished teaching the disciples about prayer. They asked him, could you teach us how to pray? So he teaches them about prayer. And then he goes on in verse 16 and through 18. And he starts teaching them about fasting. Of course, you could hear the disciples. Oh, no, no, no. Hey, Jesus, we don't need to hear about that. We don't need to go without anything. Just teach us how to pray. And I think it's quite important here that he just didn't say, you know, okay, well, for those of you who feel called to fast, or if you so choose to fast, this is how you're going to fast. He's like, you know what? Yeah, you have to pray, but just as important as prayer is, is, is as important as fasting is. It's not if you fast, it's when. Twice he said, when you fast, this is how you'll fast. When you fast, this is how you'll fast. Then he goes on and, and starts teaching them the other essentials, which, you know, giving and, and trusting God, like Amy's saying right there is where he said, don't worry about anything. Trust God. Building treasures in heaven. There's no better time to start fresh than at the beginning of the year. To better our lifestyle. To make those resolutions, right? Some of those are dreaded resolutions. But what I don't want us to do is get the cart before the horse. As Christians, we can't say, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Right? Oh, to better my life, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. As Christians, to better our life, and especially at the beginning of the year, is when we lay all of our life out on the table before God and said, here it is. Somehow I've messed this up. Why don't we just be honest? Somehow I've kind of jumbled up my priorities. Why don't you go ahead and clear the table for me, God? Rearrange it for me. And that's what fasting helps us do. It helps put everything on the table and just ask God. I mean, it, is God the Lord of your life? You know, is he the king that you're to honor? <laughs> then you lay everything before him and say, here it is, God. And like I said, what a better time than at the beginning of the year. Next week, I'll be sharing with you a message, if the Lord so chooses, on rearranging for change. So I'll talk more about, you know, let's put, let's, let's put the horse before the cart. Okay, so let's, this week we're going to be asking God, here it is, lay it all out. And through fasting, God's going to help arrange those things in your life, priority-wise, to make him, put him first. And then next week, we'll talk about little changes we can make. So that we are rearranging for the change that's to come, that we want. Lou Engel, in his book, The Jesus Fast, wrote, In the Western world, Satan's tinkering has yielded a material humanness, enlightened postmodern society, built upon the faithless, cynical assumption that the most superficial distractions of our life are actually the sum total of our purpose. 
Thus, our days are spent overstimulated to the point of numbness. Irony of ironies is that a gluttonous, indulgent, entertainment-addicted, Twitterized age is filled with illicit desires that has produced the most bored and boring people. This is why fasting matters now more than ever. When our days are marked with excess, we lack the pure passion of hunger. That was good. I couldn't have said that better myself. As a matter of fact, I had to keep reading that because I'm like, that is just so good. Irony of ironies. Our gluttonous, indulgent, entertainment-addicted, Twitterized age is filled with illicit desires that has produced the most bored and boring people. Why else would you take a picture of your meal and send it out for the world to see what you're eating? I'm sorry to say, that's just boring. I mean, let's just be honest. It goes in one end and comes out the other. Hey, hmm? who cares? Anyway. <laughs> We are superficial distractions of our life are actually the sum total of our purpose. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Oh, my whole world has ended. Why? I couldn't get the parking spot I wanted. <laughs> really? That's that important to you? But see, people are over-consumed with all these little things. It's... It, Really? I mean, don't you just want to keep... I had to, I had to keep putting my phone down. I've tried to stay off Facebook as much as possible because I, I can just feel the... I don't, I don't like being... Um, well, I don't like picking on people. I really don't. And every time I would see those little things that are like, Really? Is that that important? I start to type it. I'm like, thank you for the delete button, Lord. I'm just going to set that. I'm just not even going to look anymore. Anyway, moving on. I can just feel the, the arrows flying this way. Anyway, I want to talk to you about, like I said, what fasting is and what fasting is not. So what I did is, because there's six points, and really I started with three, but it just kept building, then I had to start cutting it back. But because there's six very important points, not like none of my other points are ever important, but I put them, I made a special message note card for you in your bulletin. How many got their bulletin today? Three people. Well, that's good. Where's the ushers? Well, why don't we help them because everybody needs a message note card because on the other side of it, I listed the six points for today's message for you. So there's extra note cards. If you could help hand those out so you guys, I'm going to read those. You guys can look at those. And then on the other side, you can actually take notes. Because I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. I don't just have one main scripture for today. And so if you need a pen, we've got really nice pens even. And you can, you need a note card or a pen? Note card. Um, even if you need a pen, go ahead and ask the ushers for a pen. They'll bring you one. So do you see on the other side where it lists those six points for today's message? And pens, pens, pens. 
Let's just look at those together. Here's what the six simple truths. And again, I could go on and on and on. But I tried to keep cutting it back to six. Um, Six simple truths of what fasting is and is not. Number one, fasting is realigning our purpose and passion with heaven. Fasting is not me first. Fasting is increasing our spiritual hunger. Fasting is not just going without. Fasting is a free will offering of the heart. Fasting is not a religious routine. Fasting is communion with God. Fasting is not about earning God's approval or his love. Fasting is an act of war. Fasting is not twisting God's arm to give you what you want. Fasting is positioning ourselves for God's rewards. Fasting is not seeking God's hand above his face. That's just six. So let's just take a moment and go through these quickly. Number one, fasting is realigning our purpose and passion with heaven. Again, Matthew 6.33, at the end of what we were just talking about, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Again, right after Jesus teaches us how to pray, how to fast, he also teaches us how to store treasures up in heaven, then assures them, don't worry, trust God. Don't worry about all these earthly things. If you put God first, he'll take care of the rest. We discussed it last Wednesday. We got into a great conversation. You miss If you don't make every Wednesday night prayer meeting, you miss it. You really do. And we had great discussion after prayer, and we just sat there. I mean, it was, it was good. It was at Koinonia Fellowship where we were building off each other and feeding each other. And we discussed, why does God need us to ask in prayer for things he already knows when he says, I already know what you need before you even ask? So we started talking about that. And I truly believe that when we humble ourselves and ask God, lifting up his word to him, reminding him of his promises more than anything else, it helps realign our hearts and reminds us of the ifs that always go before the wills. God said, if you do this, I'll do that. But see, the selfish Christian wants to grab at the, God, you said, God, you said, God, you said. But when we pray and we start looking at God's word and lifting up God's word to him, we're like, "Uh uh-oh, that says if first. Right? Oh, oh, oh. That's like a little child coming in. Hey, where's my dessert? Did you eat dinner? Right? Wouldn't you say that? You know, where's my allowance? Well, what work did you do? Which, by the way, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> not going to go there. It's expecting the reward without doing the work. It's like going to your boss on Friday. Where's my paycheck? He's like, where have you been all week? Right? Fasting is realigning our purpose and passion with heaven. Fasting is not me first. We must go after God as if our life depended on it because our eternity does. You know, Brian and I at lunch yesterday, we started discussing fast and, you know, what we were looking for for the week. And um, I asked him, I said, what would your fast look like 
if your eldest son or any one of your children was in the hospital bed and your fast, their, their healing depended on your fast, what would your fast look like? You know, we quickly want to pop things when somebody says, so what are you going to fast? Mm, uh, cartoons on Saturday morning between 9 and 10. Ooh. And I'm not saying judging. I'm just saying what for you, looking at yourself. It's not about me first. And fasting really is. It talks about fasting is the synonym for that. It is uh, humbling ourselves. So when you're thinking about what am I going to fast, and some of you started this morning, some of you are going to start tomorrow, some of you are going to start Wednesday. I don't care, just start, okay? I don't care when you start, just start. But really, when you're thinking, pray about it. God, what, would, what should I fast this week? I told Brian, I said, it's usually that one big thing you keep pushing down in the back of your mind. No, not that. No, not that. It's usually that. Anyway, it's not me first. It's a going after God as if our lives depended on it. David in Psalm 63 knew what it meant to go after God. And actually when he put, hey, did I actually turn there? No, real close. Um, when he penned this Psalm 63, it wasn't from the luxury of his throne as king and everything going well. It was while he was in the desert in Psalm 63, David says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's in the middle of the desert. He said, My soul longs for you, thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Do you see the, the picture here? What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? She's drawing her little bucket of water. He goes, you know what? If you would ask of me, I can give you water where you'll never thirst again. She's like, give me this water. I don't want to come back here again. It's like, you don't, this is it. This is a longing. This is a going after. He continues, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. He's saying, when I feast on you, God, spiritually feast on you, even my physical body is satisfied. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I will remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king, he's talking of himself, but me, I will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him. While the mouths of liars will be silenced. I like that. Gave a testimony last night 
that the, who is the king of all lies? Satan is. He's the accuser of the brethren. Everything out of his mouth is a lie. Or like Pastor Neil shared with Wednesday night, he might throw in a little sliver of truth and then he just compounds it with lies. So then you hold on to that little sliver of truth and you're like, well, that's true. I mean, think of it. Everything he says, really, the devil, devil is a liar. Testimony last night is was it in the first part of October. Something hit me like nothing I ever felt before. I'm in a pain if it, you know, like zero to ten. I was at twelve and fifteen mark. I couldn't understand. You know, and I have a high tolerance for pain. I mean, childbirth, I didn't make a peep. Let's just put it that way. I've got a high tolerance for pain. Now getting tattoos on the other hand, I no, I don't. I don't cry. Whimper a little, but anyway. But I mean, I was hit with this back pain down my leg, and we couldn't figure out three different doctors, three different diagnoses, three different sets of x-rays. They couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. They're like, what did you do to it? I'm like, nothing. There was no injury. It just came upon me. And so just Wednesday... You know, because they've been people have been praying for me, and every time I had a chance, I'm right there, pray for me, pray for me, get this thing taken care of. I got to get, you know, when you don't have the right insurance, you know, you have no other option. Yeah, I think sometimes we run to the other options before we run to God. Anyway, that's for another message. Run to God. He's got to heal me. He's got to heal me because I can't afford this. He's got to heal me. And last, just last Wednesday, I was telling him, I don't even know when it just stopped. It's gone. It's completely gone. I said, you know, no more of those patches. I had no more of that lotion. I had Tylenol, PM, everything. I was doing everything, the heating pad all the time and barely walking. I couldn't stand through a whole worship service. You know, it was just horrible pain. And so Wednesday, I'm like, it's just gone. And so and we're like celebrating, yay. Wednesday night, I'm like, yay, you know, celebrating. We're all excited. I get up Thursday morning like this. Oh, and I get out of my bed and I, I start walking a little bit. And oh, I shared with you guys my dream I had too. Wednesday night at prayer meeting, I had a dream of this person in a hospital bed all crippled up. And somebody in my dream elbowed me. I was with a group of people and said, go pray for them. I said, I looked at the person laying on the hospital bed. I said, I don't need to pray for them. And we walked a little bit closer, and I could tell that they were a Christian. Don't ask me how. I don't know, because I didn't like see their face. I didn't know who it was. And they elbowed me again, pray for them. And I said, I don't need to pray for them. They're believing a lie. And I looked at them. I said, you're a Christian. You're believing a lie. Stand up. And they turned their face at me, and you could see the truth come over their face. That, yeah, I'm believing a lie. I am healed. I have been healed. And they stood up. And that was all of my dream. Well, Thursday morning when I stood up, and I was like, oh, in my bed. And I'm like, oh, no. And all of a sudden, it's like, ha-ha, see, you just gave testimony yesterday. And now look at you, and I went, devil! And I stood straight up, you're a liar! And I walked it out. You're a liar! I am healed! He's gone. David said, the mouths of the liars will be silenced. When? 
When you praise him, when you earnestly draw toward him, when you earnestly seek him, you understand that fasting humbles yourself and draws into, locks you into God. Fasting is not me first. Fasting is God first. You don't need all the answers. You don't need all the explanation. I don't know why that thing came upon me. I don't care, really, to be honest. I don't care to explain. I don't care to explain how did it go away. I'm just glad it's gone. But the mouths of liars will be silenced. David says, declares over and over again, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift up my hands. I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to cling to you. Fasting is realigning our purpose and our passion with God. Clinging to him. Number two, fasting is increasing our spiritual hunger. Increasing our spiritual hunger. Fasting lays down our physical hunger in order to increase our spiritual hunger. Bartleman was the lead intercessor for the Pentecostal outpouring that happened at Azusa Street. Oftentimes fasting so long that even his wife feared for his health. He was so zealous for revival that he said, my health, he's penned this, he said, my health is quite poor, but I believe I will live to finish my work. Few care to go into the hard places, but my work is to go where others will not go. It seems as though God can only get a man who only has heaven to live for to do the work that a strong man is needed for. I am glad to be used up for his service. I would rather wear out than rust out. I would rather starve for God if need be than to become fat for the devil. Fasting is increasing our spiritual hunger. Fasting is not just going without. If you're fasting and all you do is go without, well, that's called dieting. Food must be replaced with that going after of God. Your hunger pains or the time that you go without must be replaced by focusing on God. You know, I worked for Pastor Kerry as his youth pastor over in Traverse City some years ago. And I, he, was, he, was a, he had a fasted lifestyle. He's, a, you know, one of the um, great mentors in my life that taught me a fasted lifestyle. And I'm like, how do you get through those when your stomach starts growling? How embarrassing, you know, when we're sitting in meetings and it's like our stomachs are all talking to each other, you know. He goes, it's a reminder to me to tell that stomach who's in charge. I went, ooh, that's good. He goes, yeah, so every time my stomach growls, he goes, when I'm alone. He said, I just, I just talk back to it. Be quiet or I'll stop feeding you. I'm like, yeah. He says, or I tell him, who's in charge, me or you? I am in charge. Hunger pain should remind us that time that you're going without, whatever that is, remind us, yeah, that's right, I'm seeking after. You know, was it Daniel that three times a day? Wonder what three times that was. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? 
reminded him, reminded us. It's not just going without. Humble yourself. Second Chronicles 7.14, the prayer focus that the National Assemblies of God has set out for us is modeled on this 7.14. So when you see your prayer points in your bulletin, and if you didn't get any for this week, the ushers will have them at, at the doors when you leave for each day for the seven days. Um, it, it's modeled after this. If my people who are called by my name, but I want you to look at something, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's ands in there. And it starts the beginning with the big if. But we want to cry out constantly, God, heal our land. God, forgive me. God, God, deliver me. God, 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 do this. God, do this. God, do this. If my people humble themselves, will fast and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will. Fasting is not just going without. Number three, fasting is a free will offering of the heart. I want you to look at this. Joel 2. Joel chapter 2. Starting at verse 12. He says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. Grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast and a sacred assembly. We're declaring a holy fast this week. Our sacred assembly, Wednesday night, 630. Don't miss it. Corporate prayer. Again, if you weren't here last week, make sure you get a copy of that message or listen to it on podcast, what prayer is and how powerful corporate prayer is specifically. Think of the scriptures, all the scriptures that go right to the heart of the matter. You know, actions are good. They're required, really. It says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Faith without works is dead. But they all go back, even the... You know, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these actions, you've heard it said, do not, do not, do not do this, do not. I say, and he went right to the heart of the matter. He says it's a heart. See, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But you can do things and your heart can be totally somewhere else, right? He's saying, go after the heart first. Rend the heart. Rend the heart. Your fasting must not just be, and it can't be, a religious routine. Fasting is not a religious routine. It must be a free will offering of the heart. I even went through a time where, um, or a season in my life where I erased fasting. And I'm not going to tell you how long it was. I'm not going to tell you when it was. 
It was because I was doing it all wrong. See, I had been trained in fasting, a fasting lifestyle. But then there was a point in my life where I was into this 40-day fast and I was seeking God and I was on my knees and all I heard him say is, boy, you're pretty proud of yourself, aren't you? I'm like, what? 40 days. You're almost done with 40 days. Aren't you so proud of yourself? And I was just ripped apart. I'm like, what happened? When did it become about me and what I could do? When fasting was supposed to be all about you, God. And so I took it right off my table. And I'll tell you, for somebody who's been living that for so long, and that's a definite part of your lifestyle, and, you know, weekly, that was part of my weekly lifestyle, it was hard to try to go past the, um, I'm not doing what God wants me to do, you know? Oh boy, oh boy, you know? Again, that's a whole message in itself. But it has to be from the heart and not just a religious act. I mean, think about it. Jesus said that in Luke 18, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, and I didn't even realize that I was doing this, Jesus told him this parable. He said, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I am not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like (laughs) that tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And let me just stop right there and pause. This is New Testament, parable, tithing, gives a tenth of all. Anyway, going on. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus goes on to say, I tell you that this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Fasting has to be a free will offering of your heart and not just a religious routine. Something I have to do. Number four, fasting is communion with God. C.S. Lewis says, we have desires that are not too strong, but are too weak. Fasting is a primeval force that reconnects us to our spiritual core, not only in the sense of longing for God, but also in the deep, intimate communion by which we hear him whisper, you were meant for more. More of what? More. More of him. More of life. More of love. More of forgiveness. More of compassion. More. You are meant for more. Where do we hear that? In the deep, intimate communion with God. Fasting is not about earning God's approval or his love. And I think that's where I slipped into that. I felt like I had to earn his approval for the request that I wanted to lay before him by fasting. That's just a religious routine. Fasting is communion with God. A deep, intimate communion, not a casual relationship. And that's where it will take you. Fasting should take you from that just... I know about God 
into that intimate, deep communion with Him where He knows you and you know Him. I have His heart. He has my heart. I have His passions. He has my pa- You know, that's the deepness of the communion. It's not about earning as approval or love. Fasting is communion with God. Number five, fasting is an act of war. I like this. I really do. I love that fasting is an act of war. Bill Bright says fasting is the spiritual atomic bomb to bring down the strongholds of evil. Bring a great revival, spiritual awakening, and accelerate the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Fasting helps clear the heavens so the message of God can penetrate the hearts of men without the enemy's restraints. I like that. Think about what happened when Daniel set himself to fasting 21 days. He's at the end of his 21 days. And here's just a side note. Some of us end way too soon. Or we end right at the brink of the breakthrough. Well, I haven't heard nothing. I'm out. But it was at the 21st day. And here comes this angel. And it says that he's standing on the brink of this river. He's praying. There's attendants with him. And all of a sudden, he sees this vision, or in front of him, I don't even know if it was really a vision, I think it was real life, he saw him, and all of his other attendants fell down. He was the only one that saw the angel standing before him. And in verse 12, the angel spoke to him and said, then he continued, the angel continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord and to fast and to humble yourself before the Lord, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. When you set your heart to understanding, when you humble yourself before the Lord, heaven hears. But then he goes on to say, But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. There was war in the heavens. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns the time yet to come. War. Don't give up. If you're going after God and and you're seeking his heart in that deep, intimate communion, remember it's war. Fasting is war. There's angels waiting to bring you the word, waiting to fulfill what you're praying for. Don't stop. It's war. Keep praying. The disciples face the same thing. Remember that... uh, The father brought that son to the disciples and he had an evil spirit and the disciples couldn't cast it out. The man brought his boy to Jesus and, you know, Jesus took care of the thing and out it went. And then his disciples, once they went inside, they're like, dude, why couldn't we do that? He said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting because it's a warfare. Fasting is an act of war. Fasting is not twisting God's arm to do what you want. 
Again, if you're going through these six steps and you're understanding it's a free will offering, I'm aligning my persons, my passions, and and uh, my priorities and everything up with God. If you're doing this and doing this in, in the right, true way, true act of fasting, you'll understand it's not a twisting God's arm. It's not like a little child holding their breath at the grocery store. Give me a candy bar. If you don't, I'm just going to stay. God, give me what, me, what I want or else I'm just going to go on a hunger strike. That's not fasting. You're not twisting God to do something. You're aligning yourself with God to do war. Number six, fasting is positioning ourselves for God's reward. Fasting is not about seeking his hand, though. It's about seeking his face. I want you to understand that. But Jesus even said when he was teaching his disciples how to pray and how to fast, he said, you do this, expect rewards. If you do this, expect rewards. If you do this, for who? Not for yourself. Not so that everybody else can see how good of a Christian you are. But for God, the right way, expect rewards. That's a cliche that we seek God's face, but not his hands. We said that, I mean, way back in AG, I, I remember hearing pastors say, Seek God's face and not his hands. See, when we seek his hands, we're just looking for what he can give us. When we seek his face, we seek his nature. We, we seek all of him. We seek intimacy, closeness. So seek his face and not just his hand. But it positions ourselves for rewards. So this is where I want to end up. And if I had to have a main scripture, this would be it. Isaiah 58. And I know she's preaching about Isaiah 58 again. You show me anywhere else in the Bible where nine verses translate into 17 extreme promises of God. And I'll preach out of that more often. But it's here. And there's only five ifs. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm a little fleshly. And if I can get 17 God wills out of five ifs, I'm going to take that one. I'm just saying. We're all lazy at heart. Let's just be honest. But this, this is it. And I'm... I mean, I'm going to lay out some challenges for you later. And yeah, this is really, I'm wrapping up with this one right here. But I, during your fasting, this is it. This is what you should eat from every day. This Isaiah 58, again, five ifs to 17 promises of God. And it starts out in verse 6. God says, is this not is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? Let me just say for you. God's saying, here it is. This is the kind of fast I want you to do. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh 
and blood. Let me pause right there a minute. He says, is this not the fast I've chosen for you? Why? Why do you want to fast? To loose the chains of injustice. The definition of injustice is a situation in which the rights of a person or a group of people are ignored. Too many Christians are walking around as if they had no authority, as if they had no power, as if they had no rights to, well, I'm just a, a byproduct of my situation. No, you're not. You need to loose the chains of that injustice. Why? How? By fasting. You want to understand what your authority is, the power that you've been giving? Right here. Fasting. Right here. Untie the cords of the yoke. What's the purpose of the cords? It actually ties you to that crap you keep dragging around with you. And he said, here's the fast that's going to untie those cords so you can stop dragging that crap around with you from your past. Stop it. This will untie those cords. It will set the oppressed free. The definition of oppressed is to be burdened with what? Unjust restraint. Sounds like the first one. Injustice. Not knowing what your rights are. Not walking in the authority that you've been given. So the set the oppressed free to be burdened with that. It's actually, what? A yoke upon you. And number four, to break every yoke. Just like the chains of injustice must first be loosed the before the individual could be set free, we must first untie the yoke and then we can break the yoke. You're not just leaving it and walking away from it. You're going to destroy it, what you've been dragging around. Fasting will not only untie, will not only lose, will not only break the change, it will totally destroy that thing that you thought was part of your life, that you've been dragging around for all these years. I can't get free of this. I can't get free of it. Is this not the way you can do that? To share your food, provide shelter, clothe the naked. Come on. Volunteer. Volunteer at a food bank. Donate your clothes instead of selling them on Facebook Market. Clothe the homeless. Clothe the naked, he says. Don't let people walk around naked. And it's cold out there. And let me just say, you see somebody who's begging, don't sit there and judge them while they look like a, you know, a drunk. They look like an addict. They, they're smoking. They're sitting there smoking. If I give them, well, you'd have to give them $8 to get a pack of cigarettes nowadays. Or they're just going to go. Did you see anywhere in the Bible where anyone first you know, drilled and let's interview this beggar, let's interview this person before we give them a couple dollars and what they're going to do with it? No. But I'm saying don't just toss your couple bucks at them. Stop, talk with them, pray with them. Talk with them, pray with them. Talk with them. Don't just give them a fish. Teach them how to fish. That's really doing a difference. That's really sharing food, shelter, clothes. You're going to do everything. When you give into missions, you not only give to missions around the world, we also support our local missions here. Love, Inc. and Bacon right here. 
Why? Because our $50 we can give to one of those a month multiplies, quadruples our money and our resources. So we can do far more when we invest in those right agencies. All right, so here's the five ifs. And 17, God wills, and I'll share with those with you in just a second. But look at this. He's talking about if you do away with the yoke oppression, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor the Sabbath. You notice there's five ifs. The first two deal with the selfishness you have toward other people. The last three deal with the selfishness you have toward God. Five ifs. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, and he actually goes in to say, how do we oppress others? With a pointing finger and the malicious talk. With the pointing finger and the malicious talk. And then he says, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry, and then he talks about how that is. By satisfying the needs of who? The oppressed. Who are the oppressed? The ones you're pointing your finger at. Maliciously talking about. So how do you meet the needs of the oppressed? Well, you instead of talking about them, meet that need. Well, look at so-and-so always shows up late and my coffee's never ready on Sunday morning when I get here. Why don't you stop talking about them and make the coffee? Two of them. The first two is selfishness against others. And we point our finger at them. And he says, instead of pointing your finger at them, meet that need. It's not complicated. Stop making it complicated. And then the last three, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. And he tells us how we do that. By going and doing our own thing. It's sad to think one stinking day a week, God says, please, set aside one day a week to honor me, that we say, well, hey, I only get one day off a week at work, so i got to stay home with my family. One day a week. Can you honor me? Can you just hear God's heart saying one day a week? Can you hear the father calling his children who are long grown up and have their own family and saying, could you just come over? One day a week and spend with me. Oh, he's selfish, God, and that's a religious. Re- they, oh, that was the Old Testament. I don't have to do it. God knows where I am. Really? Yeah, he does know where you are. Sets a clear message of the priorities of your heart. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and that's by doing what you please on God's holy day. If you call the Sabbath a delight. That means don't go begrudgingly to church. Oh, here we go to church. Sunday morning. That's what that means. By calling the holy day, you jump out of bed on Sunday morning when you set your alarm for 5.15. No other day of the week do you get up that early. And you jump out of bed and yeah, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Come on, some of you old ones, you knew that song, didn't you? Delightful. I am so, and you're calling your friends. That's what you start tweeting about. Woohoo, it's Sunday. Who's going with me? 
the Sabbath. You notice he separated those out. He separated those out. That you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, you delight in the Sabbath, and you honor the Sabbath. He broke that. He could have just put it in one thing, didn't he? But he said, no, it's so much more than that. By not going your own way, by not doing what you please, he also said about not speaking idly. Idle words. Realigning yourself to God's honoring lifestyle. You show honor to God. Because Sunday, I know, don't get historic on me and don't, oh, Saturday was the first, I don't care. My calendar I look at every day, Sunday's the first day. So I give Sunday as my first fruits to God. Sunday, God, that's your day. Here it is, God. You have the first, I'm excited, I'm going to delight in it. I'm going to honor you by delighting in it. So two ifs deal with our selfishness toward others. Three ifs deal with our selfishness towards God. And yes, I am wrapping up now, so Amy, if you'd come back up, let me just share quickly with you the 17 rewards. 17 rewards of God for those five ifs. Just in these nine verses. He said, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. God, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will build that new addition. No, he says you will be recalled repair of broken walls. Restore of streets with dwellings. Then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land. And to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Whoa. We could live the rest of our life just on those nine verses. He said, all that in what? In five ifs. Two which deals with our selfishness toward each other. And three others on our selfishness concerning the Sabbath, God's holy day. Wow. Fasting is positioning ourselves for God's rewards. Is this not the fast I have chosen for you? Look at all it includes. Look at all it includes. So what I want to do, I want to challenge you and then we're going to end the service with communion because this is the first day, first Sunday of the month. We always take communion together. But I want to challenge you four things. First, those prayer points, if you didn't get that in your bulletin, you didn't get a bulletin, those prayer points, there's seven of them on there. They come from our National Assemblies of God office. It'll take, it takes apart that Second Chronicles 7.14. And for every day, we pray a point there and 
they give you prayer focuses. And then on the back, on the bottom, I threw in, of course, don't forget Cornerstone Assembly of God. And we've got some specific prayer needs. And I listed just a few of them down there. So please. And, you know, throw in your personal ones. But again, remember, fasting is all about seeking God's face and not just his hand. But he said, go ahead and ask me. You don't receive because you don't ask. So ask for the And What better things to ask for than what his word says we should ask for? But I challenge you, pray these prayer points each day. I challenge you to read Isaiah 58, these nine verses every day. Stand on them. Eat them. Eat them. Let it be nourishment to you. Seventeen promises of God makes me a little happy. And do what it says, the ifs. Do the ifs. Do the ifs. I want to challenge you to fast. I don't care if you do 7 days, 21 days, 40 days, or the rest of your life days. I don't care. And Denny, I hate to put you on the spot, but you've been fasting meat for how long? Was it years? Wasn't it? Three years? Dude. Just do it. Do it right. But do it. And I really encourage you. Here's a practical side of that. Discuss it. If you're in a family, if you're a single person living by yourself, between you and God. If you're living with anyone, whether it's your brothers and sisters and you share a house together or your family with your parents or your husband and wife, discuss with each other. And you're like, well, I thought we weren't supposed to let them know. That's just stupid. Especially if you're the husband and you're fasting and your wife's preparing your food. Tell her what you're fasting. Right? I was making, we were making the grocery list. So I'm like, come on guys, tell me what you're fasting. Right? We go around the house. What are you fasting? So I'm not going to buy this. Obviously, I'm not going to cook this. What are you doing? What We sat down and we discussed what we were fasting. We also laid out a plan for what we're going to do to replace those times where, you know, I don't want to tell you what some of us are fasting, but that time where you would normally eat this or do this with God. We laid out a plan. Do that. Today would be a good day. Today would, even if you started this morning, you're like, oh man, I forgot. Do it today. Talk with each other. Discuss a plan with your family. And then I've got to challenge you one more time. Come Wednesday night. Corporate prayer. Pastor Neil talked about that last week, that if one puts a 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. He did the math. Seven would put one billion to flight. Corporate prayer is powerful. Powerful. As a matter of fact, now that you heard this message, you're going to be held accountable for missing those corporate prayers from now on. Not just this one, everyone. It's a time where we have to come together. We need you. Could you imagine going to war and an army looking around and saying, oh, Hey, where, where's my, you know, right guard here? You know? Where, where's my ten captains here on this side? Well, they just tired when they got home from work today. What? We got an enemy we're facing. They're leaving us on the battlefield. You're leaving us on the battlefield don't come and join us for corporate prayer. Don't miss it. Alright, so 
I want the ushers to come up. And what I've asked them to do today is I wanted to end differently. And I want the ushers to stand up here with the elements. And I'm going to ask you all once they get in their place and hold in those that you come up, get your elements, the bread, the little juice, and stay up here standing. I want us to make a declaration together as a body. This first week, this first day of the, the first Sunday of the year. And recommit our purpose. Remember, is not about the little things, the meaningless little things of life. Those are not our sum total of our purpose. This is number one. And I want us to make like a declaration that this is it, God. We're here. We're here. Yeah, you guys are all standing together. Good job. That's good. Yep. All right. So let's do that. Thank you. Let's do that. Come up here. Get the elements. Stay up here. Let's pray together. Let's take communion together. But I'll lead us in communion in just a minute. Remember, communion is a time to focus on God. God first. God first. Remembering all Jesus has done for us and why he did it. Think about that. Why he did it. you may have life abundantly abundant life that's not an oppressed life that's not a life that you're walking around without authority without power all the power all authority Jesus has it all he came to take it back and communion is a time to realign with his passions his purpose resurrection see death was the beating he took for our healing his death that was purchased for our life and his resurrection empowers us to be all that he created us and called us to be and to do so ushers if you'd serve yourselves I think we're all ready right 49 billion we can put to flight if there's only 49 there might be more I'm kind of bad at math that's right that's right oh yeah so it's probably bigger than our, our debt for the oh no don't say that either right tells us that we need to take a good long look at what is going on in our hearts before we take communion. So I just ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just, like I said, God, search my heart, search my motives, search my thoughts. God, if you find anything, any wicked way within me at all, God, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Wash us clean, God. 
Purify our heart. Purify our motives. Purify our thoughts, oh God. And as we stand here today, God, with heads bowed, eyes closed, Lord, we just want to recommit our lives. Or maybe you're standing here today and you've never made a commitment to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Right now is your day and today can be your day. And all you have to do is cry out from your heart just like us recommitting ours. God, that you would forgive us for doing life without you. Sometimes we do it without even thinking that we've done that because we've just got caught up in the busyness of life. Forgive us, God. And we lay our all, our everything, everything about us, everything around us, our family, our job, our everything out before you right now, God. And Lord, we surrender to you and ask you to be the Lord of our life and rearrange our priorities, rearrange our life in such a way that honors you, God, as the King, as the Lord of our life, putting you first. We trust you. We humble ourselves before you, God. And we want to take this time right now to remember the sacrifice you made, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins in our place. And to take back the keys from Satan that we gave up as men. As we gave up, as this human race gave up and turned over to him. And you took back that authority and took back that power. And you've commissioned us now to go in that power and go in that authority. And we thank you for all you purchased for us. For our healing. For our weaknesses sicknesses we purchased it all for inheritance the vast resources of heaven your power your authority it's all given to us now through you Jesus we thank you we honor you we remember that today we lift up this bread, the symbol of your body. That you teach us to walk. Not broken and dejected. But walk in that brokenness of your body. That we are healed. We have been healed. We are healed. We are whole because of you. Help us to walk that out every day, to honor you every day in the sacrifice you made in your body for us. Thank you. Let's take this together. Thank you for your body, Jesus. Thank you. God, thank you for the sacrifice of your only, your one and only Son. And we lift up this cup to you, oh God. We thank you for the blood that cleanses not only our hearts, not only our minds, but our very conscience. Cleans us. It says that your, your, your righteousness is like filthy rags, but God, your blood cleanses us 
and makes us white as snow, justifies us just as if I had not done any wrong. Your blood covers me. Thank you for your blood. Wash us inside and out for your glory that we would walk in your power, in your anointing, and in your love. Let's take this together. Let's do that. While you're up here, altar team, would you just begin praying for people? Just spend a couple minutes. Come on, I know we went a little late and some of you might have to run 